I know we're in a time right now in our church, it's a very delicate time as we're trying to rebuild, we're trying to grow, we're trying to do things that we probably haven't done before, we haven't done in a long, long time. And so I was really praying and saying, well, God, where do you want me to go? Where do you want to lead me this morning? And I want to start off with, you know, our graduates, like I alluded to earlier, have faced many battles in their lives, especially over the last few years. The road has not always been easy, but here you guys are. That's a great accomplishment and something to truly be proud of. You're an overcomer, and I believe, and I think our church believes, you're ready to take the next step in your life. However, as I can allude to personally, and anybody that's been through college and the next phase after, after high school, can say that high schoolers quickly lose that fire and passion they have when they get smacked in the face of the real world. New challenges come their way, new obstacles come their way that you're not ready for. And it's just the reality that um, when you take a new job, you take a new opportunity, whether you're in high school, college, whatever, every, something new always brings good and bad. There's always something bad, there's always something good. The grass isn't always greener. So there's going to be obstacles and challenges that come your way, and that's normal. However, a lot of people when we're young, we feel inexperienced, we lack knowledge, we feel like, and because of this, many, sadly, stop pursuing, <clears throat> stop pushing forward, and stop diving to the unknown. They just quit when things get tough. And we live in a society today that very much is, it's either my way or the highway, when things don't go well, I'll just go somewhere else. When things don't go right, I'll just leave and do something different. You know, sometimes God puts you in the darkest moments because you're going to be the light that shines the brightest in those moments. Amen. Sometimes the valley you might be walking into, whether it's in college, a new uh, area, a new job, whatever it may look like in your life, sometimes God has put you there for a specific purpose so you can shine a light into that darkness. And He never promises that it's going to be easy, but He promises that He's going to be with you, and through that comes the victory. Amen. Amen. So I want to encourage and challenge you this morning. Keep pushing forward. Keep diving into the unknown. I want to encourage and challenge you to step foot into this new battle of your life confidently, boldly, and unashamed. Because through Christ, the victory is already won, no matter how tough the battle looks from the outside. So today, as I was praying and saying, where does God need to go with this message? You know, what message does He have for us? I was brought to the passage in 1 Kings chapter 20. And you can turn there if we're going to be all morning. Um, and this is actually a passage that I'm not very familiar with when I, when I was reading over this week. It's not one that we necessarily commonly talk about in the church. And it's a little bit hard to understand if you, um, if you read the whole thing. But there's a powerful, powerful message in 1 Kings chapter 20 that I think will apply to all of us today. So before we get into our main verses, which is 13 through 15, I'm just going to summarize and you need to read on your own time. Because it's a little bit hard to understand the way it's written. I just want to kind of explain to God what's happening. And so, up to this point, King Ahab is the king of Israel. And he's over the land of Samaria. And King Benahab is kind of the evil bad king. So if you look at like a Disney movie, you have the good king and the bad king going to war with each other. So Benahab, he uh, sends messengers into the land of Samaria. And they tell King Ahab, if you don't give us, like, the women in your land, if you don't give us your gold and your silver and these kind of things, we're going to come in and kill everybody and destroy the city. It's pretty ruthless. 
stuck the key, to put it in a better term. Um, and he doesn't want to go into battle. He's afraid of conflict and battle. And so when they threaten King Ahab, he's like, oh, we ain't going into battle. We'll just give him this. It's fine. Maybe that calls for peace. We'll go about for what? So he gives them all these terrible demands. And then King Benadad sends more messengers a second time and says, now we want even more. We want you to give us this and this and this and this. And if you don't give us all this, we're going to destroy the city. Now, most logical people at this point are like, okay, Benadad is really just trying to destroy the city. He's just, he's just playing with it. But again, Ahab is kind of scared, skittish king. And so he still doesn't want to go into battle. And so he actually confronts his elders and the other kings in that area and says, what do you think I should do? What do you guys think I should do? And they're like, I'm not doing that. That's crazy. What are you doing? It's like, we're going we're to go into battle. And so that's when it leads into verse 13. A prophet comes to Ahab and basically gives him a message from the Lord about what you're about to do. This, his response is kind of funny, but you can see it here. You can stay seated. We'll go ahead and read this off this morning. It says, Suddenly a prophet approached Ahab, king of Israel, saying, Thus says the Lord, Have you seen all this great multitude? Behold, I will deliver it into your hand today, and you shall know that I am the Lord. So, this is what's funny. So Ahab said, by who? He's like, who's going to battle? What are you talking about? And, and it's funny, the prophet says, thus says the Lord, by the young leaders of the provinces. This is what we're going to kind of focus on as we go through this morning. He tells Ahab, you're not going to take the most experienced people, the ones that have been doing this for years and years, all these young leaders you have with you, these are the, your soldiers. These are the ones that are about to face the battle up front. And then Ahab says, well, who's going to set the battle in order? And the prophet answered, you. Another thing that's just funny, funny in the Bible is Ahab's like, who's leading them? The prophet's like, you are. You're the king. Um, <laughs> and so it says then, it says, then he mustered the young leaders of the provinces, and there were 232. And after then he mustered all the people, all the children in Israel, 7,000 people. So we're going to stop there and focus on that. So Ahab, like I said, not very confident king. Definitely not praying king. And this prophet comes and says, hey, all these young leaders in your area, you're going to use them to go fight this battle. And he's like, who's leading them? And God's like, you are. You're the, you're the guy. And so the reason I, I picked this story is because a lot of times in our lives, we feel like we're unequipped to do something like this. You know, King Benedict is threatening all these things. He's a very confident king, cocky in some sense. And he's like, hey, guys, we just don't have the people. We don't have the resources. We can't fight this battle. We just cannot win this battle. And Ahab, in a, in a sense, was right. They can't win the battle by themselves. They were probably an undermanned army, or at least not as skilled an army. But God was saying to him, don't look at physically what you have. Look up to me and what I can do for you through, through these people. You know, God was saying to Ahab, I don't need you to be the most skilled, smartest, or even the most brave king. All I need is you to trust in me. And I'll guide your steps. And when I guide your steps, you'll be victorious. And it may not seem logical to you. You may not say, how is this possible, God? When you step out in faith, I'll make the way to victory possible. And um, I put here the very first point today for our graduates, even our church family, it is to be a follower and thus a leader. Here's what I mean by that. If you want to be a leader in the world today, you have to first be a follower of Jesus. If you truly want to be a successful
successful leader, either in your school, in your workplace, in the country, whatever it looks like, to be a successful leader starts with being a true follower of Jesus. Saying, I'm not going to trust my own opinions and my own, and my own desires. I'm going to trust what God has in front of me, what God is speaking through me, and live that out. When I do, God's going to bring the victory through me. And I'm going to be a great leader because God is speaking through me, not me myself. Um, you become a leader of your class in your society by becoming a true follower of Jesus. And what I think is important to note here is sometimes as far as a leader, God doesn't always call the most equipped. He equips the call. And sometimes in your life, God's going to call you to do something you don't feel prepared for. Like Moses and all these leaders in the Bible, David, and you're not. But God's saying, I see something in you. I have a plan for you. If you just trust me, you're going to be able to do something beyond your imagination. Because I'm working through you. It's not just you doing this. You have me working through you. I don't fail. You know, God will take you as you are with the gifts that he's given you and use you for his mighty plan. And I put here in Psalms 37, 5, it says, Commit your ways to the Lord. Trust in him and what he will act. And then Proverbs 16, 9 says, A man's heart plans his ways, but the Lord directs his path. You know, another great example of this, like I said, in the Bible is David. David was a young guy. He was inexperienced. He was not the most trained soldier of the land. And God said, you're going to be the king. And so David, and why did he pick David? Because he was a man after God's own heart. And God said, look, you trust me. If you really put your full faith and trust in me, that's the person I'm going to use. That's the person I'm going to call. And that's the one I'm going to equip along the way. And so then David goes into battle with Goliath. And again, on paper, it's, a, it's an easy win for Goliath. David goes in, he's smaller, he's inexperienced, he has no sword, um, and people are probably laughing at him the entire way down. Because, like, this is just, this is going to end in a massacre. But God was with him, and David prevailed, prevailed over Goliath. And because of David's faith, the entire Israelite army swarmed the Philistines and said, hey, we can do this, God's on our side. And the same thing happened in this battle with Ahab. They end up becoming victorious. They end up destroying the, the army that Benadad is, is running. And once they, I'm sure once the people in the back started seeing the front line successful and started seeing that, wow, we can beat these guys. All of a sudden, the confidence rises, the energy rises, and everybody's like, let's do it. And then just, they start swarming up and win. The same thing is true in a church as well. And in your life, if you have one person in the church that's just on fire for God and living for Him and putting their full faith in Him, then God's going to be working through you. People are going to notice that in your life and they're going to say, wow, God can do that through this person. I wonder what God can do through me. And it starts spreading like wildfire. Then the church gets on fire for God and then we have revivals happening. Lost souls come to Him because everybody now realizes that, hey, we can do this through Christ. We can be victorious, not because we're something special, because God is special and is working through us. Um, when the Lord is with you, victory is inevitable. It may not happen how you think or when you want it to, but victory is assured for you. You know, I want you guys to think this morning, God has ordained a wonderful plan for your life. And if the Holy Spirit dwells within you, there is greatness waiting to be unleashed in each and every one of us. This greatness is only unleashed, however, when you let go of the things, the ideas, and the beliefs that are holding you back and grab fully on to God what He's calling you to do. When you do this, when He calls you to act as a church, 
as a graduate in the next step of life, that's when it's up to us on if we're going to move or not. You know, God has a great plan for each and every one of us. Just like with Ahab, the army, and the young leaders. And he wants to use this church to reach the walls of Magarda. He wants to use our church to be a great example of how Christians live and operate in God's power and his love for humanity. But if we don't act, we don't see that happen. So it's a two-way street. God will always do his part. That's not the question. The question is, what are we going to do? Are we going to do our part? Are we going to contribute? And like Ahab, he was afraid to act. Because he's afraid to act, a lot of people died and were hurt and were injured. Things were stolen. People were abused and things like that. Once Ahab was ready to act, the army was successful and God came through. Does the church family, are we ready to act? Are we willing to put away our own pride and our beliefs and our ideas? Say, God, whatever you want me to do, no matter how scary, how, how um, frightening it may be, let's do it. And I'm going to trust in you. You know, the, being a follower of Jesus and a leader of your class from day one will allow you to see God's presence in your life like never before. You'll be amazed at the way he uses you. So number two this morning is stop complaining and start changing. And um, this is one that it's very difficult for a lot of us. You know, we look around our world today, and we see the society is constantly changing around us. People are doing some sinful things. You turn on the news channel, you have all these murders, and uh, people are raping people, and it's just like, wow, this is disgusting and terrible, and you see all these horrible things on the news. And it can be easy to get in this mode of, I'm just going to complain all the time. You know, there's all kinds of darkness and evil out there, and I'm going to eat this food just complaining about it. And we start bickering, and we start, you know, fighting amongst each other. And you think about Ahab in the story. He looked at Benadab and all the great things that Benadab would do with his army, how powerful they were, and what they were doing to their people, is he just kept complaining. He just kept focusing on the negative and kept complaining about that and was just hoping that eventually it went away. But he never did anything to change it until the end. And the same thing is true in our lives today. A lot of times we love to complain about the church. Our young people, because they're not living for God. You know, the music we have in our society, you know, the, the shows that are on TV, you know, our workplace, they're not, they're not good places to be. God's presence is not there. But if we're doing nothing at all to change it, we can't point the finger at society until we look at the mirror, point our finger at ourselves and say, what are we doing to change it? Because if we do nothing to change society, we do nothing to change the health of the church, then we really can't blame the church will go in a separate way. Um, and whether you're going to the workforce, you're starting college, or you're in a new phase of your life, you're about to walk into new challenges. You as a church saying we're about to walk into new challenges we haven't faced before. And you have a choice to focus on how difficult those challenges are in front of you or to focus on how much God can do through you in those challenges. You have a choice to look at the obstacles or look at the opportunities. And I think that's a, that's a great way to look at that. You can look at the obstacles in front of you in your life and say, man, this is hard. I can't do this. And by yourself, like I said, with Ahab, you can't. But with God, you can see those obstacles as great opportunities to change for him, to shine a light for him, to influence a new generation to go toward him and to seek after him. You know, in the church, our young folks look to our adults and our young adults for examples, for leadership. And if you're living the right way, if you're passionate about God, you're worshiping and singing with all your might, then they're going to feel off of that. They're going to say, hey, you know,
no, maybe that's what I should do as well. But if they come in the church and you know everybody's sitting there with their hands in their pockets, nobody's really worshiping, people are like invisible to be here and they could care less, then you can't blame them for not caring either and for not willing to come. Uh, I see that with a lot of our young adults. They don't want to come to church because their parents don't come to church. Um, and students, you will have tons of excuses you can make as you start uh, this new journey that you're about to make. Why you shouldn't share and live out your faith. You know, Satan is like King Benadab. He will try to threaten and bully you all of your life. And the more you can get in your head and make you believe that you're not worthy and you're not good enough and you're not called to do this, the more and more you'll stop doing what God really is calling you, calling you to do. You know, excuses like, no one else is living this way. Or I may lose friends if I share my faith. People may make fun of me if, if they know what I really believe. All these things are going to be what society says to you. Satan's going to try to tempt you and to bully you and to threaten you and say, well, if you do this, you're going to lose this and you're going to lose this. And yes, some of those things may be true, but God is saying, trust me. Just like Ahab, trust me. Put your faith in me. Trust me. Because no matter what obstacles come your way, if you trust me, I'll take those and put those in the opportunities to show you how powerful I really am. Show you how much I can overcome through you. How much I can speak through you and to use you. And you might not see it right now, but I'm going to use you for a great purpose if you just trust in me. It will be easy to let Satan win and convince you that one of these excuses is good enough to not follow along with what God's telling you to do whenever society says it's right. But if the Lord is with you, victory is assured in the future, and the walls that seem impossible to shatter your campus, your work in society, can come crumbling down like the walls of Jericho. You'll be amazed at how God will use you. And likewise, in our church, we have to point the finger at ourselves before we point the finger at society and say, what can I do to make a difference in this world? What am I doing or not doing? And before I blame everybody else, let me look at my own life as well. You know, I put here, instead of complaining about how society is changing, while we sit on our backsides doing absolutely nothing to change it, start praying and asking God what we can change to start reaching the society around us and then go and do it. You know, Ahab was famous for not doing anything. You know, sitting back and not doing anything, and then complaining about how everybody was attacking them. Satan's going to attack us. It's just a reality. Until God comes back, it's going to happen. Okay? We can't, we can't change that. What we can change is how we react to it. Do we still push forward? Do we still trust God? Do we still reach out to the walls? Do we still share our faith with the community? Are we still an example? People look at the Cardinal Baptist Church. Do they see people on fire for God and living for Him and trusting in Him? Or do they see a people that are afraid to move? Because if we're afraid to move, we can't expect God to act. Because God is waiting for us to move first. When we move, he moves. And then when he calls us to do something, we act in response to that. One thing I wanted to share with you guys this morning is the story of Daniel Crumley. Uh, or Crumley, I'm sorry. Um, and Daniel Crumley, most of you guys probably don't know him. But I actually talked to him on the phone this past week. And um, he's a Gideon member, so I talked to him on the phone all day long. And he's in his 70s. So... He's, he's uh, some of you guys' his age or around that. And um, he was telling me that how God has been uh, faithful to him. How God has been, uh, I'm not trying to point out numbers, I'm not. <laughs> um, but uh, <laughs> I thought this was a good story because it relates. But uh, Daniel Crumley, 
Um, he basically was saying to us that um, he just went on a distribution overseas and passed out 15,000 scriptures with some other people. And he said that he's planning on going back here in about three or four months and doing it again. And he said, man, I'm just on fire for God lately. He said, I'm seeing God use me in ways I never expected before. And it's because he said he joined the ministry and he said, you know, he wasn't doing anything. And he thought, hey, maybe I should get involved and start doing some things. And this is the way that God was using him. You know, I just, I, I was listening to him talk and how passionate he was, how fired up. Hey, I'm fired up on the phone. Oh, this guy is really excited about what he's doing. And he's over 70 years old and doing more than most of our 30-year-olds are doing. Uh, most of our 20-year-olds are doing. And so I wanted that to encourage us this morning. You know, whether you're older or not, if you trust in God, he'll open up doors for you to witness. Maybe it's not to that scale, but he'll open up doors around you to talk to your neighbor, to talk to those that live close to you, to share your faith. And when you have that kind of passion and energy, even somebody like me that's in their 20s was inspired by that. Uh, and somebody that was older. When God is working through you, it, it, it carries with other people. And I put here in Galatians 6, 9, And let us not lose heart in doing good. For in due time we shall reap if we do not grow weary. And lastly this morning, um, for our folks, I want to challenge you guys to surround yourself with mission-minded people. An important aspect to look at in this story is the thousands of men that were willing to fight when Ahab said, let's go. When he finally acted, you know, you have 7,000 people that are like, okay, let's do it. And the same is true in our lives today. You go up into college, you go to a new area, it is critically important that you get plugged into a local church, a campus ministry, or, or, or something that has other believers that believe the same way you do to help you walk along that line. Because if you don't surround yourself with people that are pouring into you and that are witnessing to you and they're encouraging and praying for you, Satan will attack you super, super hard, and it will be very difficult for you to live for Christ. Because when you're alone, you're vulnerable. And when you're doing life by yourself, and you're trying to live, by, live for God by yourself, with no one else around you, the pressure and the temptations rise, and it gets harder and harder to do so. But I, I, I picture it kind of like this. You know, Benedad, when he was just talking to uh, King Ahab, he wasn't scared of Ahab. He knew he was kind of a wimpy king, okay? He was threatening, he was born in, he didn't care, you know? But as soon as those 7,000 men came rushing toward him, they fled. They're like, whoa, 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 whoa. And I think the same is true in our life today. By yourself, Satan's like, I can get him. I can attack him. But all of a sudden, you get 5, 10, 20, a few hundred people, you know, supporting one another, encouraging one another, and all of them for God. That frightens Satan. And Satan starts to flee. Because he knows, hey, these people are stronger than I can imagine. Um, and I think this is true in your life today. In college, I was struggling early on because I didn't have a good group of people to, to lean on. I went through a lot of struggles and temptations, and I, was, I moved up to Illinois from Alabama. It's a whole different culture, and I was struggling. And I got, in, I got involved in FCA, my undergraduate, which is Fellowship of Christian Athletes. And I started meeting some really great people around campus. Some of them I still keep up with today on Facebook and social media. And they were important to my life. We prayed for one another. We met together regularly. Uh, we encouraged one another. When we were having a bad week, we knew we could talk to one another and share that with each other. And all of a sudden, that light and that burden, it became easier to start talking about my faith. It became easier to start living that out. It became easier to start being the man that God was calling me to be. And the same is true in your life today. Whether you're 
uh, in college or whether you're in the workforce or whether you're out of college completely and you're retired. It's important that you find a great group of men or women in your life that believe the same way you do to help you when you go through life struggles. You know, because life is going to hit every one of us differently. You may go through a sickness here soon. You may have a family member that passes away. You may um, have a financial difficulty. When you don't have those people pouring in to support you, it is hard to win those battles at all. When you have those other believers, again, I think Satan's shaking in his boots, and God's spirit and power will just come through in a mighty, mighty way, and you'll be victorious in those moments. You know, it's a lot easier to take down an individual than to take down an army. Uh, when, you, when you have an army backing you, no matter what the devil throws at you, someone will always be there to help you back up, push you forward, and fix your eyes back on the commander-in-chief as he leads us into victory. Especially in college, there will be temptations all around you, and the more you do for Jesus, the more the devil will try to attack you. This is why it's essential to find a solid support group and to keep you accountable so you can share your struggles with. And I put it here in Hebrews 10, 24. We'll leave you guys with this verse. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as in the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much more as you see the day approaching. And the important part of that verse is assembling ourselves together. You know, if you have a good support group from our church, that's great. And those that are leaving going to college, and those that are going to other places, you know, feel free to always text us. Call us, reach out to us if you need help, and we're going to be here for you. But it's also important you find people that are in your area you can talk to in person. You can be with in person. There's a certain aspect about coming together in person, talking to somebody face to face, sharing your struggles, maybe sharing your struggles, and having somebody physically pray for you in person, there's a different kind of power in that. So if you can find that group you can meet with regularly, not just on social media, but in person, I promise you, when the battle gets tough, life becomes easier. So graduates, youth that are moving, it's been an absolute honor and a blessing to serve as your youth pastor over these last few years. I've seen each of you grow more to the person that God uh, has created you to be. I know God's tremendous plan for each of your lives. And I know your church family and I will always be here praying for you every step of the way. And if you ever need anything, you have a home right here. We love you. We're proud of you. We pray for us. Lord, I just pray this morning as we go into this new phase of our life, Lord, that you be with each of these students. You put your spirit upon them. Please guide and encourage them. Let them find a great accountability group where they're at. Let that accountability group pour into them and strengthen them and, and push them forward. And God, no matter how hard and scary the obstacles look, I ask that they look at them as opportunities to shine a light for you. And then like King Ahab, they finally trust in you, put their faith in you, knowing the victory is already won. And God, I ask as a church family, we support them, we pray for them still, whatever we can do to help that in the best of our abilities. Thank you for your love. In your name we pray. Amen.